Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. There's more. Just wait for it. Technical difficulties. Verse 42. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Thank you, Griffin. Appreciate that. We were missing one verse there for some reason there, so that was probably my fault. Regardless, we're ready to dive into this? I want to talk to us this morning about the kingdom first life is a Jesus-centered life. Subtitle, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You ready? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the story. There's some great lessons for all of us here to get from this. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us, meet us. Lord, I know that you love us. You have so much for us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would discover that. Some of us, maybe for the first time, discover all that you have for us. Lord, that grace, that forgiveness, that life that you have for us. And for those that have been walking with you, Lord, I pray that we would be kingdom first people. We would seek you, desire you first, Jesus, our desire really is to put you at the center of everything we do. So, Lord, help us to do that. And now let's just all take a moment and let's intercede for the Seahawks to win their game today. Just go ahead and just begin to pray right now. I'm just kidding. You can have a seat. Amen. I know you already prayed for the Seahawks, right? You know, there's things in life that we enjoy, we get to have fun with, we've got hobbies. We all got hobbies. Today happens to be the beginning of the NFL football season, which some of us were excited about, and some of us just don't care about. And that's okay, because you got other hobbies, you got other things you like, you know, there's lots of things that we get to enjoy in life. And I'm thankful for that, aren't you? But what I've learned is that it's important that we don't get so caught up and consumed with all these things in life that we don't put Jesus first. We really want to be people who live a kingdom-first life And as I do, I've learned that I can enjoy all the other stuff even more. Have you learned that to be true? And so that's that's my encouragement for us, is that we would be kingdom-first people, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and we got to understand that the kingdom of God is radically different than the kingdom of this world. Radically. It's it's upside down in compared to the kingdom 
of this world. As men and women of the kingdom of God, we are called to think differently. We're called to act differently, to believe differently. The goal is actually different from that of the kingdom of this world. When you and I live as a part of God's kingdom, we get to experience a peace that the world doesn't offer. We get to experience a a power that is greater than the power that's in this world. And the Bible talks about how the kingdom of the world is ruled by the devil. But as we walk in the kingdom of God, we can receive and experience God's power, his authority. He wants to give us that authority to walk in that's greater than that of the world. There's a love that you and I can experience in God's kingdom that's greater than the the love the world offers. It's so powerful that it changes our lives. It changes people from the inside out. I want to experience that love, not the love the world has to offer. As you and I live in the kingdom, we can live out our true identity in Christ and be who we were born to be as children of the living God. I just want to encourage us today to be kingdom first people. We got to understand that the kingdom of this world, it's going to pass. It's going to fade away. It's going to, it's that and its leader is going to be done someday. But the kingdom of God will last forever. It's eternal. It is unshakable. So we want to be kingdom-minded, kingdom-first people. And so we got to choose today. Am I going to live in his kingdom, in God's kingdom, or am I going to choose to just walk in the kingdom of this world? But when I choose to live in God's kingdom, i got to understand that there's only one king in his kingdom, and it's not you or me. There's only one Lord. There's only one ruler, and it's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I'm so thankful for Jesus and what he's done. I'm so thankful for all that he has taught us. And when he came and walked on this earth, he brought a message that the kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. The number one thing that he talked about was his kingdom was at hand. It had arrived. And then he lived, he lived a perfect life. And then he went to the cross and he died. He took our place of death for the sin that we committed. He committed no sin, but he died for our sin. And then he rose from the dead, showing us that he's God. Because only God can conquer death. So the good news is that when you and I, when we, we believe in Jesus, we commit to following him, we ask for that forgiveness of the sin we've committed against him. Man, he gives us that forgiveness. We receive his grace, his forgiveness, this freedom. And what we're doing is we're stepping into his kingdom. And he also sends us and fills us with his spirit. His presence lives inside of us. And so the more you and I are kingdom-minded and and, and put the kingdom first, the more you and I can walk in and experience the presence of God and the power of God. And I believe that's how we were born to live. So I want to encourage us to make sure that we are kingdom-first people and put Jesus first in every area of our life. The kingdom first life is a Jesus-centered life. Subtitle, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And you know, in order to do that, we've got to really think through how we're living. We've got to think through the rhythms of our life, don't we? A couple weeks ago, we talked about desires and how desires create habits. And habits is just another word for rhythms, essentially, just like discipline. It's like we have disciplines in our life. We have habits. We have rhythms. You have a rhythm to your life. And so I'm going to encourage you today to kind of rethink your rhythm. 
Do you have a rhythm that enables you to live a life that is centered wholly and completely on Jesus? If not, we're going to rethink that because we want our heart to be centered on him because we were created to experience his love, to walk in his love. The goal is that we would connect with the Lord in such a way that he would be the center of everything in our life. And here's the good news, man. As we live this way, it enables you and I to live a more relaxed life, a life with more joy. You will find more contentment. You, will, you can live a calmer life because that's what Jesus offers. But this cannot happen unless we stop, pause, slow down. We've got to learn to slow down and learn to be with Jesus. So that's what we're going to learn from the story. How can we be a, a Mary in a Martha Martha world? How can we slow down and stop so that we can center our heart and center our life on Jesus? I mean, would you like to live a, a slower paced life? Anybody? Like that would be that would feel good. A little bit slower paced. See, the danger for us is not necessarily that we'll lose our faith, but we'll end up lose, uh, living a mediocre version of it. And I don't want that for any of you, and God doesn't want that for, for any of you. So we're going to learn from the story here. Mary and Martha, they have a brother named Lazarus, by the way. He's not in the story here, but if you're familiar with Lazarus, Jesus later on is going to raise him from the dead after he was dead for like four days. So Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, they're all brothers and sisters, and they are like Jesus' dear friends. Like, he loves these guys. It seems like every time he's in their town, in Bethany, he goes to their house where he's hanging out with them. So this is one of those times. Jesus is hanging out in, in the home of Mary and Martha, and what do we see Mary and Martha doing? Martha is busy, and she's running here and running there, getting, taking care of all the preparations. She's having this mindset of, like, Jesus is here. we got to serve. we got to host we got to do a good job making sure he has a good experience. And what's Mary doing? Absolutely nothing. The nerve. Like, who does she, like, does she not care? Like, the Savior, the Messiah is in her house, and she is just sitting there doing nothing. Yet, Jesus looks at Martha and says, Mary has chosen the right thing. He condemns Martha, in a sense, and uh, Mary gets commended. But as you think about the story, who do you think is enjoying themselves more, Mary or Martha? See, there's a lesson to be learned there. Martha's struggling here, right? It's easy to say Mary is having way more fun. She is enjoying herself way more in this moment in time. But Martha, she is so caught up in this has to get done. I got to do this. I got to do this. The stress and the anxiety is causing her to take it out on the people around her in the room. And that can happen to us. Have you noticed? The stress, the anxiety we experience in our life comes from constantly doing things for God while thinking about ourselves. Because that's what Martha is doing. She's distracted with all the decor, getting things in place. She's got the vacuum cleaner out. She's vacuuming. She's preparing the euro. She's getting everything there. You know, Mary's just being lazy, sitting down there. And what Martha's doing is actually culturally acceptable. She's doing what would be expected. Like, she should be in the kitchen, making food, preparing all that kind of stuff, 
Let me just clarify, I'm not saying that as an all-time statement for now. I don't want to get in trouble here. Okay, I'm not saying that's where women belong. But in that culture, just for clarification, that's what I'm talking about. That was what was normal. That was what was accepted. And so she's doing what was culturally acceptable. <laughs> and you and I would probably do the same thing. We try to be a good host, serve, get everything ready and prepared, make sure everything is in its place. We want Jesus to have a good experience. We might even allow our hearts to go as far as Martha did because she's looking there at Mary and she's judging Mary. She's looking down on her. How dare her? So lazy, just sitting there doing nothing. But who's thinking about themselves in this moment? Is it Mary or is it Martha? It's clearly Martha, right? She's doing things for God, but she's thinking about herself. And this is causing her to feel this anxiety, this stress. It's just rising within her. And come on, let's be real. We can find ourselves doing the same thing. We can be doing good things. We can even be doing good things. For those of us that are, that are believers, we're following Jesus. I do this for you, Jesus. And I can be doing those things, but my concern is on me. I'm thinking about my, myself. But see, when you do for God and you think about yourself, you end up comparing yourself to other people. That's exactly what, Mar what Martha's doing. Is she's looking at Mary and she's comparing herself. And like Mary obviously doesn't get it. I have the better idea of what's going on here in this scenario. I know what's right. And she's comparing herself to her sister. And that comparison is a scary trap for all of us. It's like a deep, dark, black hole that we can go into and we start comparing ourselves like, I'm better than them. Maybe not as good as them. You know, we, we find ourselves thinking those things and it just doesn't make us feel good. Or maybe it does, but it's prideful, it's selfish, and it's ugly. Because when we do for God and we think of ourselves, we end up comparing ourselves to others. See, here's the danger. We can do just what Martha's doing here, having that mindset, comparing but she's running all around Jesus. She's doing all these things for Jesus. And what she's missing out is being with Jesus. And that's what we can miss out on. We've convinced ourselves, though, that Martha's got the right way. That's what Martha's thinking for sure. This is the right thing. I'm doing it for the Lord. It must be right. Because all of us that are, you know, tasked, tend to be task people, you know, we identify with, with Martha we would say, well, if it wasn't for the Marthas in the world, we wouldn't get anything done around here. We need Marthas. Who's going to get things done? Who's going to accomplish things? We don't need lazy Marys, all free-spirited and doing whatever they feel like. Come on, we need responsible Marthas, and that's the mindset that we, we get into. <laughs> but Jesus has shown us a very powerful point on priorities here. And I heard one pastor say something brilliant once. He says, you don't get points for making sandwiches that Jesus didn't ask for. And you and I can get caught up doing things and maybe doing it for Jesus and, and all these other things in life. And are we really doing the right thing? Is that what he wants us to do? Because we can feel good about ourselves. We can compare ourselves. We can fall into that trap of just, I'm just thinking about it myself. And I can be doing good things, but I'm doing the wrong things. Jesus doesn't want us to do that. That's why we need to reevaluate the rhythms of our life. Because we can find ourselves feeling and thinking and acting just like Martha here. Martha, she's, 
She's struggling with stress. The anxiety is rising. And did you notice her response? She walks up to Jesus and she says, Lord, tell my sister to come and help me, which is hilarious and sad all at the same time, isn't it? Like, okay, so now we're telling the Lord what to do. Now we're, we're just bossing Jesus around. Like, I know what's right, Jesus, and you need to do something about it. Tell her. He doesn't even t- she doesn't even talk to Mary. She talks to Jesus. Tell her right now, get up off her rear and start helping me make some sandwiches. <laughs> She's acting like Jesus owes her and Mary owes her. You ever been there before? <laughs> you ever acted like God owes you? God, I've done this and this and done this. So you have to come through. You got it. Like, it has to be fair. <laughs> we feel like God owes us. You ever been there before? Can I just say that God has already given us everything we need? And what he's given us through Jesus, what Jesus has done for us, he has done and given you and I everything we need. And as we live for him and believe in him and he fills us and empowers us with his spirit, Peter says, his divine power has given you everything you need for life and godliness. You and I have everything we need. He doesn't owe us anything else. He wants to give us things. He wants to bless us, but he doesn't owe us any more because he's already given it all. It's important we have that mindset of appreciation, of gratitude, of Jesus. You've done so much for me. Martha's talking to Jesus like, he owes her. Hmm. Hmm. You know, this is the result of a belief that Martha's way is better. And this happens for those of us that fall into that trap of thinking that I have to earn, I have to perform in order to be somebody, in order for God to love me, in order for God to do anything for me. I've got to do this It's that performance mindset, which, if I'm honest, I've struggled with in my life. I've had to just pray. I remember about 10 years ago, I was seriously in a season like, God, you need to deliver me of this. Because I grew up as an athlete, and in an athletic culture, it's all about performance, isn't it? So it's if you perform well, then you're somebody. Then you're important. Then people like you. You're popular, but if you don't perform well, then you're a nobody. So I just kind of grew up in this culture of performance, and earning in it, unfortunately, can translate into our spiritual life. And I feel like I got to earn it with God. I got to perform. And if I don't perform, then God's not going to love me. And other people aren't going to think anything of me. And that's scary when we get into that performance and that earning trap. It's, it's a false narrative that we've got to crucify in our life. You know, I think many of us, probably most of us, relate to Martha in the story more than we relate to Mary. Now, if you relate to Mary, awesome. Props to you. You're one of the few. That's great. But most of us relate to Martha because the culture that we live in trains us to think like Martha, right? Our Western world trains us to be Martha. And then the end result is we judge Mary, don't we? It's like, Mary, like, what is your deal, Mary, sitting all crisscross applesauce at the feet of Jesus doing nothing? Come on, get up. (laughs) And that's what we think. That's... Where we go with that. But let's, let's think about this. Let me just, for balance sake, it's important for us to say this and, and, and think about this. Is it wrong to do things for God? No, it's not wrong. Even Ephesians 2 says this. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. 
So you and I were created to do good things. Jesus himself said, Matthew 5, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So that's important, right? We need to do good things. The problem is when we put the doing above the being with Jesus. We place that as a higher priority. We just get caught up and do, 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 and we neglect the be with Jesus. And see, here's, here's what we learn, is that if I do everything out of being with him, what I do is more effective. What I do is more anointed. What I do has more joy and more fulfillment because I'm doing it out of the overflow of I am being with Jesus. And so we've got to get our priorities in the right place, that it's so important that we don't just do, 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 but we've got to be. Jesus says only one thing is, is needed, Martha, and Mary has chosen what is better. What's interesting is Jesus actually doesn't really tell Martha you are so horrible. Like, you, you're doing the wrong thing. Like He doesn't, like, say what you're doing is bad. What he does say, though, is Mary chose what's better in this moment. It's kind of interesting. Only one thing is needed, and Mary chose, has chosen what is better. Can I just say there's only one thing needed for you and I every day? There's only one thing that we need. There's a lot of things that come to our mind that, like, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. But there's only one that we really need. Mary has shown us what that is. Jesus is affirming that. Only one thing is needed, and that's to have the posture of Mary where we sit at the feet of Jesus and we receive from him. Mary has taken the posture of a disciple. That's what she's doing. Mary is actually doing what is not culturally acceptable in comparison with Martha. Mary should be, according to that culture, doing the work, preparations, food, all that kind of stuff. And she is actually sitting at the feet of Jesus where all the disciples, the men, are only allowed to be. And Jesus publicly speaks to this. She's chosen a better thing, and he's given affirmation. It is okay for her to be here. This is good even for a woman as he's busting through cultural norms. And just it's just a picture of not just even a physical posture, but a heart posture of you and I sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning and receiving from him. And this cannot happen unless we're cured from this disease that is running rampant in our lives and all over around us. And it's the sickness called hurry sickness. You felt that? Have you, have you seen that? Hurry sickness. It's the disease of our day. You know, I remember... Years ago, you'd ask people, like, how you doing? And the most popular answer was, man, I'm just busy. Busy, 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 busy. But now what you hear, way more than that is, I'm tired. And can I just say that tired is a result of hurry sickness? It is an indicator that you and I are struggling with this disease of a hurried heart. And I think too many people have it. I love what Carl Jung says. He says, hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. <laughs> and this is something that I've had to really learn. I, if I can just be transparent, I, I'm not perfect. I am continuing to grow and grow in this. In fact, as I was preparing this message this week, it was so timely. It's something that God laid on my heart a few weeks ago, and then I was just diving into this this week. I really had a busy week, if I can be honest. And I had to, as I'm just 
thinking through this, I really, this is one of the benefits of being a teacher and a preacher sometimes, is like you're studying things, you're studying things, then you kind of feel this like, you know what, I should probably really lean into living this and not just regurgitating what I learned or what I was studying this week, right? And so it was a great opportunity for me in a very busy week to say, God, I need to live this out this week. I feel like I only made it through this week because I was able just to stop and let God strengthen me. But I'm not perfect. And I remember years ago learning this lesson in a powerful way. I, uh, through the years at times, have really struggled with hurry sickness. And it was one of those seasons where my kids were little. And as a parent, when your kids are little, there's this fun routine that you have in the evenings where you... You get the pajamas on, then you go and you brush your teeth, and then you go in the room and you read a book, and then you pray together, and it's just kind of this fun, you know, it's something you do with your little kids. I miss those days. Anyways, <laughs> they're all old now. Like, hey, go take a shower. It's one of those nights that I'm going through that routine, and my kids are just being super slow, and it's driving me crazy. I am getting upset with my kids. Like, you don't have your pajamas on yet? Like, come on, what have you been doing? Come on, hurry, brush your teeth. I'm like in this, like, fat, like, we got to get this done. Come on, guys, you guys are being way too slow. I mean, they're like, they're like a f- six and three, you know, about this season of life. And I'm getting frustrated. I'm taking it out on them. And I find myself in this moment where I just stop and I think and I pause. And I'm just like, why am I in such a hurry? What, what am I in a hurry for? And I, can I just be honest and say that the Spirit of God convicted me and I realized why I was in a hurry. Because I just wanted to check the box off and get done with my kids because what I really wanted to do was not be with my kids. I wanted to go on. I had some things I needed to get done that night and I just wanted to move on and get those things done. And I wanted to do that more than I wanted to be with my kids. And it, that convicted me. And I realized I am in a hurry and I don't need to be because I just need to be present in this moment and enjoy this moment. And isn't that what a hurried life does? Hurry sickness hinders us from being present. As you read through the life of Jesus, you'll see Jesus oftentimes was very busy, but he was never in a hurry because he was always able to be present. I think that uh, hurriedness is not necessarily... Uh, about having a disordered schedule. It's really about a disordered heart. That's what it comes down to. So this is why I'm encouraging you and I to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our life. And I want you to consider that today and think through that today and pray through that today. If you find yourself thinking this thought, man, I just don't have enough hours in the day to get everything done that I need to get done there's a really good chance that you are struggling with hurry sickness. (laughs) What I've learned is that in those seasons, I can accomplish things, I can get things done, but often I'm just kind of flying across the surface of life and there's a lack of depth, there's a lack of intimacy in my relationship with God. And when I miss out on that, I miss out on everything because he's what I need more than anything else. So that out of my relationship out of a heart centered on Jesus, I can do all these things that he's called me to do. But if I just get flying fast and fast and fast, man, that just that intimacy goes away and it kills my soul. Have you felt that? Have you been there before? Jesus says, only one thing is needed and Mary has chosen what is better. 
because Mary is just sitting there at the feet of Jesus. And I think how that looks for us today is you and I taking time to just stop, open up the word, just sit down, just read a little bit and just close our mouth and shut up and listen. God, what do you want to speak to me? Just receive that from him. It can be something as simple as maybe you read something in the morning and you just have a favorite scripture and you take time right in the middle of the day, several times a day I like to do this where I just stop and I close my eyes, I get good posture and I'll take deep breaths and I'll just relax and I just take some time not to check off my list if I want to do my readings, I want to do this, but just to be with God and enjoy him. Just to re- I just need to receive you in this moment, God. Uh, I'm stressed, I'm worried, I got all this, all this. I'm just going to let all that go. I give it to you, Jesus. And I'm just going to relax in you and I'm just going to enjoy you for a moment. And that helps me, it helps us to center our heart on him. It's just simple things that help you and I to make sure that we're living that Jesus-centered life because the kingdom first life is a Jesus-centered life. So, in order to live a Jesus-centered life, I must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from my life. What Jesus has shown us in this story here is it's really about priorities. Do good things, but don't get caught up doing good things and miss out on what's better. <laughs> don't get caught up doing things for Jesus and miss out on Jesus himself and being with him. Because that's what's happening to Martha. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life. That quote comes from a really cool story. And the story goes, it's, it's, man, really encouraged and impacted a lot of people through the years. This pastor found himself in a season where he just was living the rat race, this fast pace, just hurry up, you know, which is kind of our culture, right? You know, it's just like we got, we got to go fast. We go through the drive-thru. I want my food now. Why do I have to wait? I can order things on Amazon. It comes tomorrow. I get it right. I can get it in two hours now. It's kind of like just get it now kind of a thing. And that can affect us in a negative way, as, as nice as some of those things are. And so this pastor is like, I'm just stuck. I'm caught up in this rat race. I'm, I, I feel... I feel like I'm trapped, and I feel like I'm losing my soul. I'm dying on the inside. Even though I'm serving, I'm teaching, I'm doing good things, but I feel like I'm dying. And he, so he calls this guy named Dallas Willard, who's one of his mentors. And, he's, and he explains this whole scenario to him, and he says, hey, help me out. What do you think? Do you have some advice for me? And he says, Dallas did what he often did. And I just, I'm a, I just love Dallas. He was a brilliant theologian, professor, author, and passed away a few years ago, but had a profound impact on bringing the kingdom of God back front and center in Christianity. And he paused and had a long moment of silence. He says, Dallas often did this. And he said this, you must learn to ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life. And so the pastor said, I wrote it down again, ruthlessly eliminate hurry in my life. Okay, awesome. That is, that is really good. Okay, so what else? What else? What other piece of advice do you have for me? <laughs> Dallas, this was Dallas's response. He says, there is nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. 
Then he said the saying again, you must learn to ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life. That's why this invitation that Jesus gives us every day is so important to respond to. It's an amazing invitation. I'm telling you, it is counter-cultural. But what Jesus has to offer us, remember, is a part of his kingdom is way better than what the world has to offer us. And Jesus has this invitation that I want to encourage you and I to respond to right now, but every day, throughout the day. And Jesus would say this. He'd say, come to me, all of you who are weary. Come to me. If you're weary and you carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's so important that we respond to this invitation. Jesus says, this is what I want to give you. Just come to me. Perhaps James was thinking about this when he says, you know, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Thinking, I've seen it. I've experienced this. And it's, it's based off of these words, perhaps, where he's like, Jesus is calling people, come, come, come to me. And when I come to him, I, that's what I find. But when I don't come, it's what I miss out on. I try to figure it out on my own. I just try to keep doing. I try to fix it. And I'm missing out on what Jesus has for me. So I think that this picture of the story of Mary and Martha has profound implications for our life today, friends. Such an important lesson for us. And what I would encourage us to do is to develop a rhythm in our life that includes what I would call very key practices. Silence and solitude. Those go against the norm of our day. It is so difficult for us to do, for many of us, to sit down and be still and be silent with the Lord. And that's the key. Silence and solitude. So important. I want to encourage you to practice that this week. And what I've learned is it's really helpful if it's done far away from my cell phone. It's amazing how distracting that thing is, right? Oh, you know what cell phones do? They get as close to the people far from us, but far from the people close to us. We can't be present. And so that's why I love these practices, silence and solitude. Where you and I would just stop, take the posture of Mary, and really do what the psalmist said, what it says in Psalms, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. You see, we can't live a Jesus-centered life unless we slow down. And as we continue on this discipleship journey and we just want to get closer and closer to Jesus and follow Jesus and we want to help other people follow Jesus, one of the constant messages that we want to speak to you is a slowed-down spirituality, a slowed-down life. This is what's going to give you your strength. This is what's going to give you the depth of character. And we're all about the gifts of the Spirit here. We believe in that. Speaking in tongues is a gift that God gives us. 
uh, pray in the spirit the Bible talks about. Romans 8 talks about groanings that words can't even utter as the spirit intercedes for us. We believe in that, man. I love to pray in the spirit. I need to do that for breakthrough in my life, for, for God to stir up faith in me as even when I'm interceding for, for things and for people. I love that. I encourage that. I recommend that. That is so important. But what I've also learned is there's this contemplative side that I need to practice in my life so God can search the depths of my heart and pull out some of those roots that don't need to be there and establish deeper character and just learn that intimacy and that relationship with, with him that he wants with me. And that cannot happen unless I stop and I just be a little bit more contemplative. That's why I like that word. Just that contemplative side of our spiritual life is so important. You know, we live in a broken world, guys. So broken. That was very evident 20 years ago yesterday. And as probably most of us took some time to reflect and watch images and videos again, man, those of us that were, were alive and remember that day, it had a profound impact on our life. And Amy and I watched some of the stuff that was going on yesterday morning. I just wanted to just, I really felt it's 20-year anniversary, so I think most of us felt kind of like, I, I need to remember today. And I just was, this is the flood of memories of what that day was like and what took place in America. There was this unity. There was this revival. People wanted God. The churches were packed. And I just began to pray, God, would you, by your spirit, move in our country again? Draw people to you. Draw them to you. And we just were crying, watching some of that, and just remembering, and just so somber. But it's just another reminder, friends, that we live in a broken world. But Jesus came to fix a broken world. And it starts with you and I on the inside to fix our broken lives. And so we got to look to Jesus. And we've got to give him permission to work in us. Amen? And that cannot happen if we don't stop. Be with him. It's the only way it can happen. You know, people are really open to spirituality these days. That's why people love the idea of this like Eastern religion to stop and contemplate, to meditate, to do breathing exercises, which can be very good physically, to uh, do yoga, all these different things. People love those things, and they find that it helps. But here's the deal. Those things do help, but they're limited when it's not centered on Jesus. They help because God designed it that way. He designed us to stop and relax and meditate on him and put our thoughts in our life and get our heart centered on him because he knows that that will have a profound impact in our heart. And so we've got to do those things. It's important to do those things centered on Jesus. And so we can take people's interest in that and just point them to Jesus. But these practices, they work because God designed it that way. So let's stop. And I want to encourage you to pray this morning, right now, and ask God, God, what do you want me to do to ruthlessly eliminate hurry in my life? What does that look like for me? And it starts with this. Just be still and know that I am God first. Just be with me. I love the first word of that sentence. Just be. Stop doing how many times in the last, you know, 15, 20 minutes as I've been up here rambling, 
have you, has your mind wandered to like, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I'm gonna do this today, I'm gonna do this today. We got, it's like, do, 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 do. Can I just say, stop? And let's just be for a moment. What a powerful word. Be. Be still. And know the most powerful truth that you and I need to know that he's God, I'm not. He's God. And we're gonna do just that these next few moments. Would you stand to your feet? If you're at home with us, maybe you just wanna change your posture, get on your knees, feel free. But let's, let's all take a moment here. Let's just close our eyes. Close our eyes, and I just want you to listen. Listen again to the invitation of Jesus, eyes closed. And Jesus says to you right now, come to me, all of you who are weary, carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I'm humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls. We're going to respond to that invitation right now. And Lord, I pray for a rest. I, I, I pray for a peace to just begin to fall by the power of your spirit. Right now and even for many, just in a very gentle way. Rest and a peace. Come on, would you receive that from him right now? Let go of everything. Your burdens, you're tired, you're weary, just lay it down. Receive from God. Rest on the inside. Peace on the inside. Some of you, maybe this is new and you've never done this before, but you're just sensing the need to respond to Jesus. Maybe you've never responded to him. You've never said yes to Jesus. And this is the first time you're doing it. And I just would encourage you to lean into that. Just ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins that you've committed against him. He, he took care of that on the cross for you because he loves you. Commit your life to him. Commit to following him and receive all that he has for you. And he's going to fill you because he's going to fill you with his spirit. That's what happens in that moment. And by his spirit, he wants to give you this rest. So do that right now. For all of us, let's take a moment. Let's just listen as we ask Jesus this question. Eyes closed. Okay, what do you want me to do to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from my life? Just speak that to me right now, Lord. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.